like the difference between surfing and deep sea diving. The exhilaration you get from the surf is over as soon as you get out of the water. But all those discoveries you make when you go deeper are so much better and last so much longer. Welcome to Working with the Word, a currently bi-weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for tuning into episode 86 of Working with the Word. As in the previous two years, we're slowing things down in the months of November and December by releasing episodes every other week focused on a topic related to Bible reading or study. This year's Final Four will feature interviews with Jason Harden, Jacob Hudgens, Deanie Ward, and Mark McCrary, all on the subject of reading the Bible devotionally. Today, we want to share with you our conversation with Deanie Ward. We know that you'll enjoy and be blessed by it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Emerson. I'm with my co-host, Jeff O'Rear. We want to welcome you to the show and a special interview we have with Deanie Ward. Deanie Ward has taught the Bible for more than 40 years, spoken at women's retreats and lectureships, has written two class books for women's studies. She has also written several devotional books and blogs frequently at flightpaths.org. She lives in North Florida with her husband, Keith. Deanie, we want to thank you for being with us today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. We appreciate the work that you do and all of your writing. I think I was first introduced to you through Pressing On Magazine, and I, you're still writing with them, isn't that right? Yes, I am. Okay, I thought so. So maybe some of our listeners might read that and know some of your work from there, too. We've been focusing on these episodes toward the end of this calendar year that will be released, just thinking about reading the Bible devotionally. A big part of our program, sometimes the, the words have been used of kind of maybe more somewhat academically or using the inductive study method, different phrases get used about kind of digging in and trying to discover the truth for yourself. And this being kind of a, not a better or worse, maybe just a parallel or a different way to approach Bible study when we think about reading the Bible devotionally. So we've been starting these episodes by just thinking about kind of a, what does that mean or why does that matter type of question for our guest who's come on. So Ms. Dini, what does devotional Bible reading or Bible study mean to you? Uh, I've thought about that a lot. And I um, I think probably I may be wrong even, but because of the way I usually study, I can tend to think of it as more of a daily type of reading that may not necessarily have a particular goal in mind except perhaps to look for a life connection or perhaps um, some way to find a practical benefit from your reading as opposed to just what a word means and how many times the word is used. And Yeah, we, we definitely don't have a one right answer or not. I, I think that's been the, the really neat thing about this series of episodes we've done. We've talked to a couple of people and gotten similar answers, but also kind of every person's own perspective about that. Uh, I think especially we're going to want to talk more about kind of that life connection and kind of just what does that mean and and what does that look like? Maybe kind of the the humorous explanation would be it's a connection to life, but probably wanting to (laughs) unpack that a little bit more. 
Well, I, I personally think the hardest part of Bible study is applying it to your own life. Mm-hmm. It's easy to look at something and know what it means, but what does it mean to me and the way I live? I think probably my devotional reading began when I had children and I had to try to make the Bible make sense to my children, mm. especially as young as two, because, well, frankly, I was reading the gospels to them while they nursed. And I know they didn't understand what I was doing, but I wanted them to be able to say there was never a time in my life that I didn't hear the Bible being read to mm. me. And as they got older, then you tell them these stories and they ha- they have no idea what they mean. And uh, it's, it's culture shock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's, I think, when I started trying to read a little more devotionally, a little more what's happening here, um, how, what similar things happen to me, what similar things might happen to you, little three-year-old. <laughs> um, that's, I, that's, I guess, when I started doing it, because always before, uh, I, maybe some people move from devotional reading to more inductive study but for me it was the other way around mm-hmm. i started with the inductive study and moved to the devotional reading i think one benefit of that is i had a good foundation mm-hmm. and i was less likely to go off track yeah. especially when emotions get involved right we had a, a conversation when we talked with mark mccrary he mentioned that of uh, an important part of devotional Bible reading is having that that good foundation of just kind of knowing what's there. But again, I'm I'm taking up all the uh, introduction time with these questions, and I want to get Emerson's perspective on some of these things too. But I think those are some good questions you asked about. You know, what are some similar things that have happened to me? What other experiences can I think about? You know, rather than just kind of that generic, how does this make me feel? Um, yes. Which probably isn't isn't a bad question at times to ask, but maybe not the only question we should ask when we're thinking about kind of devotional Bible reading. Emerson, uh, what am I missing from what Miss Dini has said so far or other things to help continue our conversation? I was just going to just make one simple comment and let Mrs. Dini kind of run with it if she wants. But with those questions of what's going on in this passage and how is that similar to what will happen to me or what I go through? That's helpful because the Bible is about people. Obviously, the main character is God and his son, but it's about people coming to understand who God is and love and serve him better. And as people, we haven't changed. You know, we're, we're just like the people that, you know, experienced Jesus firsthand back in the gospel times. And so could you talk a little bit more about how we can think of it in terms of just reading about people and how they relate to God as a way of helping us in, in our devotional reading. Well, the first thing I think of it, I'm not sure if this is what you mean, but I try to put that culture into mine. Mm-hmm. Um, today, for example, <clears throat> in my class this morning, we were talking about the widow of Nain and her two mites. And depending on who you read, it was about 164th of a denarius, which a denarius 
put it in your culture. That's a day's wage for a skilled laborer. Mm-hmm. So a uh, plumber, let's say the plumber makes 50 bucks an hour, eight hours, that's $400 a day. One sixty-fourth of that is $6 and change. Mm-hmm. That's what she had mm-hmm. to put in. So that puts me there. I know I can feel that. I can see a really, really poor woman. And that's mm-hmm. all she had to live off of. Then another thing I did um, in Acts 4, they're selling property so that the poor people who didn't want, didn't plan to stay in Jerusalem, who are staying in Jerusalem and have no jobs, uh, no way to provide for their family. They're selling property to put all that in the treasury. And I went to a realtor who's also a Christian. I said, how much money? would this cost today? And between property, and he gave me prices for property in town and out of town, uh, property for a 1,500 square foot home as opposed to a 1,000 square foot home, or maybe a 2,400 square foot home. It didn't matter. When I brought those prices and put them in front of my Bible class, and they're saying, whoa, they're putting that much in the treasury. So you put it in your culture so that Mm -hmm. you know what, and now ask yourself, do you love God that much? Mm -hmm. Would you do that? Do you love Mm -hmm. your brethren that much? Sometimes I don't think we comprehend their sacrifices at all. Yeah. No, that's really helpful. Helping us because there's, a lot of distance in space and time between us and those people that we re- we read about in the Bible, and mm-hmm. we we need to make it understandable for us. Yes. So I think that's one of the values of reading our Bibles in this way is just making, as you said, those life connections. So thinking about how we get to that point, I guess we talked about the importance of a good foundation and wanting to make sure uh, that we're not just grasping at nothing there. Can you give some suggestions about how to start or maybe some motivation to continue Bible reading and Bible study, particularly in this way? Uh, So you said you started raising your children and they're a fairly young age. So you've been doing this for a little while, we'll say, give that perspective a little while. So how how do you continue this and how to, what keeps you going and reading the Bible in this way? Um, Well, actually I started it Florida College invited me when I was a newlywed of 20 to teach at one of their camps, to teach the Bible classes at one of their camps. And of course, I got all the girls and I thought I need to talk to them about girls their own age. And so then I began to pull out, um, for example, Jephthah's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, the little servant girl of Naaman was mm-hmm. Naaman, wasn't it? The Syrian captain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we began to talk about that. For example, that girl in particular, you have to put yourself in her place. She's a captive. She was taken forcibly. The last thing she saw of her family might have been their blood on the walls. Now, how would you feel about? this man yet what did she do she worried about him and gave him 
a place to go to cure his leprosy. Then there were others, um, even Mary, because Mary right. was just a teenager and a very right. young one. If John MacArthur is correct, and girls in the first century, Jewish girls in the first century, entered the, something he calls the Kedushin. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. At 13, and that's their betrothal, and they were uh, for one year and then married at 14. Now, think about Mary. So I was trying to relate this to those girls and their age. And that's how it started. Uh, and then I think probably just as an example, I'm constantly writing Bible class literature because my classes are no longer satisfied with what you can buy on the shelf. <laughs> so I have to write it. <laughs> yeah. And so one, I was sitting there thinking, what am I going to do this time? And I got to thinking about faith. I'd been thinking about it for a good while. Um, what exactly is it? You know, because of fighting false doctrine for years and years and years and years, we almost treat faith like a negative. Right. When we have problems in our lives, we have a tendency to say to somebody, now don't lose your faith. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Seems to me faith should be a tool to get to, through those times, not something I should be worried about. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to study every place in the Bible that talks about faith. And that's what I did. I spent two weeks looking up every place. Well, first I had to choose which word for faith I wanted to use. <laughs> and I, I picked the one that was used the most. Uh -huh. I figured we'd get a better idea that way. And uh, for two weeks, I looked up passages and looked up passages and looked up passages and then I began to call them out, um, sort them out, but I categorized them. And then mm. lo and behold, after I'm reading these, I'm beginning to see, okay, there are words associated with faith. There are things that faith does. There are things that faith does not do. There are synonyms for faith. There are, and, and then you find out as you keep reading, because I'm doing just a quick read and just jotting notes, uh, I find out, okay, you've got to keep some passages entirely together, like Romans 4 and 5, James 2, Hebrews 11. And I wound up with a 65-page study. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it went over very well. But what we discovered just by reading these passages through is that Faith is not one stair step on the way to salvation. Mm -hmm. Faith is the whole staircase. Hmm. It's what you build your life on. And that's why it's a tool to get you through those hard times. Um, so think of something you want to know something about. Think of something that's bothering you. And then look up every place you can find and read and read and read and read. The same things more than once, please. I mean, that's another thing I've learned. Read mm -hmm. it half a dozen times, even in the same set. You'll find out that you're not just skimming off the top when you do that. Yeah, sometimes when we think about devotional reading, we might 
think it's just following a reading plan, which yes. we have talked about very frequently on our show. But it can also be like what you just said, find something that you're bothered by, you're struggling with, a question you have, and use that as the, I guess, the starting tool or the impetus for devotional reading. Because sometimes that might end up being what you need at that time. Yes. Yes. I, I did another one that actually is coming out next year, if I can ever get the teacher's manual written, on Jesus and the Pharisees. Because it suddenly struck me one day when I studied the Pharisees historically that if we're not careful, we are them. Yeah. And so I have a whole study on every interaction Jesus had with the Pharisees. Oh, wow. I'm sure that'll be very helpful for people to, to look at it. And like you said, we can very easily fall into that perspective yes. or that camp of, you know, this is, this is what the truth is, but we're going to build this extra, you know, wall around it to yes. help better define what God's already said. Um, and all of it from good intentions. Right. Mm -hmm. Even the Pharisees, you know, we, yes. we like to throw mud on them in our classes, in our sermons, but surely that was not out of ill will. That was out of, you know, what they, what they thought was right. And so mm -hmm. that's going to be a helpful study for many, I'm sure. We want to, to find out about things that maybe we don't understand or maybe things we just are curious about and, and are wanting to dive into more we're wanting to make those life connections as we're reading our bibles when we think about reading our bibles devotionally what are some dangers or some some things we need to be aware of that we don't fall into some traps or fall into some some potential issues if we're approaching the bible in this way well if you're not careful i think because it's not the inductive method, um, it can become just a little checklist. Okay, I got my reading done today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to be careful of that. Yeah. The other thing I think that can happen is like the difference between surfing and deep sea diving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just kind of surf off the top and it's very exhilarating. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be, and but my husband was a scuba diver when he was a Marine, mm. and he can tell you about going down there and how much the 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 atmosphere down there and the discoveries you make down there, and the thrill just of being down there in the dark and quiet, nothing you can see except from that light that's on your head. That's that's what I want frankly. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the thrill of discovery. The exhilaration you get from the surf is over as soon as you get out of water. But all those discoveries you make when you go deeper are so much better and last so much longer. Um, so tr try to resist just skimming off the top and the, um, the emotionalism that sometimes co comes with that. I mm -hmm. might be limiting myself even unknowingly to things that I, I don't like this word, resonate with me mm. when what I need to read is something that um, challenges me instead. Mm -hmm. That's, those are the things I thought of. What are some of the advantages of, as you're doing your reading, you're trying to process it and trying to think about how to implement it in your life, of writing it down? 
know that you do a lot of writing and others have benefited from it, but could you talk about how that writing process can help you process your thoughts and help you understand what you're reading more? Well, let me just give you an example. Um, I did, something that's always stuck with me when I did that Pharisee study is when I got to John 8, beginning of verse 12, after the adulterous woman. I read through it, and I'm one of these people that if you give me a lot of facts and a lot of words, my eyes glaze over and I'm lost. But if I can take a pencil and a piece of paper and write, it, it doesn't happen the first time I read it. Usually the second or third time I start saying, okay, I can make a list here or I can make a chart here. And I'm big of my classes laugh at me as soon as I start putting the charts on the board. <laughs> um, but I have one lady who told me that she was sitting in another class somewhere and all of a sudden she started drawing a chart. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess it's catching. But what she can see what it did for me is I start writing these lists and charts. So what I did after about the third time through John 8 is I said, I am seeing some things here. And so I started writing down just the headings, like accusations Jesus made about the Jews, questions the Jews asked Jesus, accusations the Pharisees made about Jesus, and then personal claims Jesus made. So I that's what I ended up with after about four times through. And then for each list, I went through again. Do not ever, ever try to do two or three at once. You will miss some. <laughs> I guarantee you, you will miss some. But when I got through, do you know, almost every word from that chapter was on those four lists. Hmm. And suddenly they made sense to me and I could see the atmosphere. It was tense and it was dangerous. And it, I'd never seen that before in my life, just reading all the way through it. Mm -hmm. But it's all because I sat down with a piece of paper and a pen. And to me, for, for me personally, if I don't have a pen and paper, all I'm doing is reading. I'm not studying. Which we've talked about before, but maybe we can get your, your thoughts real quick. The, the difference between reading and studying. I think there are sometimes we talk about you know, doing a, maybe a bigger level Bible reading, getting familiar with the details, but there surely is a difference between Bible reading and Bible study. And I'm sure a pen and paper's presence or absence is part of that, but maybe what else do you mean by that? Um, when I'm re just reading, I'm trying to get uh, events in order, uh, facts in my head. Uh, when I'm studying, I am constantly asking myself questions. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? I've never, I have no idea what that means. Uh, <laughs> look it up. Uh, so I make a little note, look up, whatever. Um, why is this person saying that? Who is he? Uh, what's his background? Does that change? What's happening? I say, I'm just asking myself questions constantly. When And that's where most of my teaching comes from. Because I find that most people just read the Bible. And because it's the Bible, they don't think about it. They just say, okay, that's the Bible. And it's mm -hmm. good. And they memorize it. But it it isn't really partisan. Not, I don't mean that in a judgmental way either. Because no, we understand what you mean by that, and but many people can probably relate to that. Where yeah. 
there's been people who have, well, I'll speak for myself. I've, you know, read the Bible for five to 10 years, you know, set in classes. I've listened to lessons and had the Bible read to me and all of that. But there was a, a difference at some point later in my life where I started to see that I'm asking those questions as well. Like you said, mm-hmm. maybe not those exact same type of questions, but asking questions and thinking more intently and thinking more in that moment about what's going on. Yes. And, and can I say this? It's, I do not mean this to be disrespectful of authority or anything like that, but I always tell my students, do not ever be afraid to question the party line. And I say that in airports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many things I learned as a child that when I grew up and started studying on my own, I found out they were wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, not mm-hmm. because someone was an evil person trying to teach false doctrine, but because they didn't know better. Sure. Yeah. So if I always tell them, if you don't know why you believe what you believe, then you better not believe it yet. Well, Miss Ward, we appreciate you saying that because I think uh, I think there are probably more people than are realizing, or more people than are willing to admit that they feel that way at times. Of, you know, I have questions about something, but I know it's different than what the person standing at the front of the room would want me to say if I asked if they asked me a question, you know, or something like that. And it, it takes a certain level of of courage and honesty, but I think that having that that type of attitude and being willing to seek it all the way through to say, I'm going to stick with this to find out what an answer is. There's, you know, a very opposite end of that where you have questions. And so you just give up and that's obviously not what we're talking about here, but having that type of attitude, being more courageous with that and being gracious with one another. And that I think is something that we can all definitely take and to look to use in our lives, in our own walks and studies and looking to be at peace and unity with one another too. Yes. I know that's not really the the theme of this episode, but uh, like I said, I I really appreciate you saying that. So. Wow. That's how I've learned a lot of things is because I bothered to look them up. Mm -hmm. Also because I have a husband who looked at me and said, you know, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) And then showed me how to find out myself. He's the one who taught me how to study. That's great. uh, It's and all of this came from him. If I'd married somebody else, I would not be who I am. (laughs) That's also kind of a whole nother thing of having a good friend along the way. Maybe it is a a teacher or mentor. Maybe it's just maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a a best friend or a relative or whoever. But now along the way too. That again, that's kind of a whole nother subject. But helpful for us to know as well. Emerson, you keep getting ready to say something and I keep jumping in with other thoughts. So I'll let you continue on. That's okay. I was just going to say, I appreciated you saying that too, because we've, and Jeff and I have talked about on the show pretty frequently about owning our faith or making faith our own, asking ourselves, why do we believe this? Where does it come from? Is it actually what the Bible teaches? And we believe that that's just so foundational and so important because Jeff and I have both been through a similar process of questioning. And I think that's one of the things that another one of the advantages of devotional reading is the more you read, the more you become familiar with what the Bible actually says. (laughs) It's just kind of a a statement of obvious uh, (laughs) reality, but 
as we read, we're going to learn more and we're going to start to question more. So it's not just a matter of filling up our minds with facts, but it's trying to familiarize ourselves with what God actually says. Yes, because I found out actually getting ready for those young women at the FC camp, how many things I was taught wrong as a child. And I think it's because we think we know those stories. And so we don't go back and read them out of the Bible. Mm -hmm. We just tell them. And I was 20 years old when I found out that Jacob married Leah after seven years. And one week later, he married Rachel. Mm -hmm. I thought he didn't marry her for seven more years. That's <laughs> what I was taught. Well, no, he did have to work for her for seven more years. But And you would be surprised how many women I've shown that to who were like me. They were taught wrong just because, like you said, we don't know what it says, mm -hmm. just because we're not reading. And that is a great benefit of just reading. I've got another question, and this is not something, this isn't a question we handed to you ahead of time, but it's something that I've been thinking about as we've gone through this. As a teacher, what are some of the things that you see your students having trouble with in just Bible study or Bible reading in general? Uh, what are some of the challenges that, that you find other people struggling with? Because chances are, there's a lot more people that struggle with them too. Well, I think most of them struggle with what they've always heard. And so when they start to read, they're trying to fit that in instead of reading it as if it's the first time they've ever seen it mm -hmm. and getting the facts that way. And there were many times when I know that we're coming on a lesson that's they're <laughs> they've heard wrong all their lives. I know they have because I did. And so we just read carefully, just read it right through. What does it say? We make some notes on the board. What does it say he did? What does it say she said? Um, just to help them to keep the extraneous chatter from their childhood, mainly, from buttoning in and see it fresh. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell them over and over, see it fresh. Don't read what you think it's going to say. Because you will, if you're not careful. Right. Um, I see that a lot. I think some of us get a little distracted by, especially the Old Testament, by all these names. And mm -hmm. I learned from an older gentleman. He said, when you see all these names, just say to yourself, and hard name said this. And he <laughs> said it to this hard name. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And they live in this hard place. <laughs> So I mean, he just ignores the places and the names if they're hard. And I think that really helps. Then you see what's happening and don't let those mm -hmm. kinds of things distract you because especially for, I found older people, that's a bit of a problem. But my once I've had a class for a year, they begin to change how they read. They begin to see things on their own. Um, I will occasionally say, now, what have you always heard about this? And they'll come right out and they'll say, but you know, it doesn't say that. <laughs> no, mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, I've got you. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I want them to do. See what it says. Ms. Dini, we're going to start heading towards the conclusion of our 
conversation today uh, with a with a few final questions. Okay. One that we've given to you, a phrase that we had heard before we began this podcast from a couple of different places, enough that made us kind of question, you know, what is that that phrase actually talking about? Uh, someone might say something like, we're going to help you get deeper into your Bible study. There is one answer we've heard to this question of what is deeper Bible study? And someone has said, well, I don't know what shallow Bible study is, but I don't want any part of that, which <laughs> I, I can resonate with that as well. But if you were, someone were to ask you like we are right now, what's the phrase deeper Bible study mean to you? I think for me, it means making connections you didn't know were there. When you have a broad general knowledge and you discover something new, very often, you know, it's like an epiphany. You know, the light bulbs go on and you say, oh, let me go back to this verse over here. Because, And then you go over there and suddenly, oh, <laughs> it means this. And that means that over there, it's not just that, it's something much more than that. And I'm being as vague as possible here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, that's that's what it means to me. That's what I love about deep, what I call deep Bible study is learning more and more and fitting it all together to where it's not just a bunch of things. It's a puzzle and all the pieces fit. The more I do that, then the more I think, okay, I found something and it doesn't fit. That means I need to study a little more mm -hmm. because it fits somehow. We've used the illustration of the Bible before being a 1,183-piece puzzle, uh, just kind of thinking about the number of chapters we have in our right. Bibles today and thinking about how all that goes together. I think especially we started recording this program towards the middle of the 2020, so people were still into puzzles when it was the pandemic and some people didn't have things to do outside. But I think that idea of a, you know, connecting puzzle pieces and especially that idea of not forcing puzzle pieces into something is really helpful for thinking about some of our goals with deeper Bible study. Uh, we're recording this today on November 1st. Uh, it will come out sometime in December. And so maybe your answer will change over the next few weeks. But as of November 1st today, what is your favorite book of the Bible if you had to pick one? Oh my. Or we might even let you have two. That's happened a couple of times. Some people have asked for two <laughs> instead of one. So it's, I'll tell you the honest truth. It's usually one, the one I'm studying. And that's a common answer we've heard before yeah, too. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. Um, when I'm doing my Pharisee study with my classes, it's John. Mm -hmm. When I'm doing my born of a woman study, it's Genesis. Because uh, we miss so much in Genesis. Oh. Genesis is the core of it all. And if you don't get it right, nothing else matters. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just, right now, let's see, we're doing Born of a Woman in that class. We're getting ready to start my faith study. So probably it will be Romans okay. <laughs> by next month. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I, I do love the prophets. I love the yeah. prophets. It's one of those things that there's never really one right or wrong answer and there's it's always something that's kind of ebbing and flowing, but it's always interesting to hear answers to that questions and how people are answering that based on kind of where they are in their life or what they're teaching at the moment and to get a glimpse and to think of now I'm kind of feeling like I need to go back and study Genesis right now after we finish this program. But uh, I'll have to you know make sure to put that on my shelf to 
to open up Genesis again and say, well, what am I, what do I need to see in here? So that's good. Yeah. I think Genesis matters to me the most. Oh, I just, right now, um, I just did a, um, I spoke at a women's weekend in Tampa last month. And um, I spent a lot of times in, in Genesis and trying to show them every story in Genesis is God choosing the line of Christ. And if you see it, if you can't see that, then you need to keep reading that story until you see it. <laughs> That's, and then we spent a lot of time in Genesis 49.10. Oh, okay. Yeah. But anyway. There I can, you go. Yeah, I could keep going. So I will not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, pin it, we'll pin that for now. Uh, a similar question, which maybe they'll have similar answers to based on what you're studying. If you had to pick, pick a favorite Bible character and you can't pick the Lord or any other part of the Trinity or anything like that. So a favorite Bible character. Rizpah. All right. Now, Rizpah, you have to remind me. (laughs) Rizpah was a concubine of Saul. Okay. I I was thinking Old Testament, but I couldn't picture all that together. She's the one who, when Saul broke the pact with the um, Gibeonites, that's who it was. And God stood with the Gibeonites because of Saul's actions and the Gibeonites had to ask for six of Saul's sons. Only he also got um, grandsons. Right. And uh, one of them was Rizpah's and mm-hmm. they hung them up out on the mountain, killed them and hung them up out on the mountain. And she went out there because it, the law says you don't leave a man hanging. Mm-hmm. And she went out there day and night beating off the buzzards and the hyenas and the jackals and all of that all by herself 24 hours a day until finally someone told David about it and mm-hmm. he sent someone out there to take them down and bury them if you want to talk about a mother doing for her children and even other mothers children mm-hmm. um, and we to me, that's the supreme example of a mother sacrificing for her child. And all I can think of is what we sometimes won't do for our children, which is so much easier. I, right. I, I categorize her as the strongest woman in the Bible. Hmm. By the time you think of those animals, I mean, a jackal and a hyena can bite you. <laughs> and buzzards and hawks hawks are also scavengers they can tear you to pieces with their claws and she sat out there in the sun and the wind and the rain and everything Mm -hmm. for her kids so i think she's my favorite character (laughs) well that's good well i think i learned something today because i i don't i didn't remember her i've remembered reading that story but i couldn't tell you who she was. So I'm going to have to go back and look at that because I have a better appreciation for who, who she was. We have one more question for you. And this is, we always like to end our episodes with a question that's more personal. And so I was looking through some of your blog posts and there was one that caught my eye about desserts and making desserts for your family. And the point of the post was we can't just survive on desserts, but you were listing some of the desserts that you've made uh, for your family and the, the peanut butter cup 
cheesecake <laughs> drizzled with hot fudge sauce really caught my eye. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite dessert to make and eat? Well, frankly, oh goodness. Well, for an everyday dessert, I'd rather have a plain old sour cream pound cake than anything else with no glaze or anything on it. It's mm. the best cake ever. Um, <laughs> But if for something a little more fancy, um, I have discovered a fudge turtle caramel pie, I think is what it's called. <laughs> That's my new Christmas pie. Sounds delicious. It That's is. right. And you can only eat. That's one pie that you cut into about 10 pieces because you can't eat anything bigger. <laughs> it's just so rich. It's so rich. You just oh, can't. Wow. Especially there when you, you drizzle the caramel over it. Like that was quite the pause to come up with that that might have been the hardest question of the day huh <laughs> it probably was uh, because i cook so many things i'm i just enjoy cooking a lot oh, that's great miss Deanie. we thank you so much for your time and for just sharing your wisdom with us today for all that you have done and helping people through your writings and especially through your teaching as well. I'm sure there are many people who have appreciated that along the way. And just thank you so much for, for spending time with us today. Well, thank you for asking me. I have enjoyed it. We have as well. You take care and God bless. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So Jeff, what was your one thing you'll take away from today's conversation? I think we've talked before about, you know, having a notebook or writing things down, but just the way she talked about, you know, for her, she's not studying the Bible unless she has a pen and paper mm -hmm. there as well. And so I, I kind of took from that some things that she also s talked about with relating to asking questions. I've, I took three Ps that I want to try to implement a little bit more into some of my inductive and devotional Bible reading and study, a pen, paper, and a pondering mind. Uh, I, the question didn't seem like it really fit well since <laughs> you know it doesn't fit the P theme there, but just having that pondering mind of, okay, I'm going to read this a couple of times and what's all being said in here, really mining it, and then making sure to make observations on pen and paper or make application or whatever that will help us to help me, I'll say, get what I need to get out. So what about you? I think a lot of the same thing when you're talking about the pondering mind, uh, going back and listening to this, there was a lot of just nuggets of wisdom. But the one thing that stood out to me the most was the curiosity that comes with reading the Bible. And I was encouraged to just ask more questions about what I'm reading and being curious enough to ask those questions that may seem obvious, but are not really so obvious. I mean, she was talking about the price of houses that early Christians would have sold and given the money. It's like when you put that into perspective, that really brings it home. And I never really thought to go and look up, hey, what would that actually be? And so it really brings scripture to life when you ask those kind of questions. And it, I'm hoping that it will help the scriptures be more real to me and to be more applicable to my life. So as always with these episodes, for our audience, we want you to think about your one thing that you took away from our conversation with Deanie, something that she said that was helpful for you to think about. Maybe it was related to your Bible reading and study. Maybe it's something that is just you'll take with you for the rest of the day or for the rest of your life as a Christian and will be helpful for you uh, moving forward. 
Thank you for tuning in to Working with the Word today. We have one more Final Four interview to share with you, so stay tuned for that in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, if you'd like to find out a little more about Working with the Word, you can find and reach out to us on Facebook at Working with the Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.